Isn't this an incredible place? Wonderful. Well, we've got uh, James and Michelle here. James, uh, they lead the school, the head, headmaster of the school. And if you'd like to stand up and say hi and come say a few words, I'd love that, James. Let's give him a hand. I don't know if any of the board are here. If you are, we'd love to greet you too. Thanks, Mike. Uh, this is pretty cool to be here in the space, seeing uh, Oceanside having service here for the second time. Uh, thank you for your patience, and uh, hopefully soon there won't be as much dust on the walls, ladders on the stage, and that kind of thing, and it'll be a, a well-polished space. Uh, but this is pretty great. Yeah. Um, we have a, a dedication ceremony on Tuesday, Tuesday night, and um, yeah, we have a lot of people coming for that event. It's a future famous event as well. And uh, actually, one of our students who was playing in the band here tonight, Jack Phillips, he emailed me and he said, Mr. Seifier, we don't have enough worship time in that dedication ceremony. So if you could please find it in your heart to change the program so that we could find more time to worship, that would be really great. So how do you say no to Jack Phillips when, when he asks for that? I think it was probably about 12 years ago um, that the board and, and school community at the time kind of had the vision for what a bigger school would look like on this site. Uh, I wasn't part of that, but um, they drafted out all the plans, and, and this was definitely part of it. Um, three years ago, when we went into this phase, uh, part of that vision changed a little bit where it wasn't just a facility for education. Uh, it wasn't just going to be a place where we play sports and do drama productions and, and music and, and all those kinds of things. It became that this space is going to be a place that impacts our community, uh, that impacts our, our kids, uh, the city of Nanaimo, those who come here every week to, to worship through Oceanside. Um, and we already see that impact having uh, an impact in our community. We have... Um, 527 students for next year already, um, which is about 75 more than we have this year. Um, so we're seeing that, that growth happening. Uh, I, I, can't, I didn't imagine that the church would be this full already on a, on a Sunday morning, so it's having impact and creating space for Oceanside. We have construction workers who have been here working on site, uh, they've come and they've talked to me and they said, there's something so different about your school, we're actually considering putting our kids in here now. Um, and we have all these people coming, and I do these new family interviews, and I've probably met with some of you as well, and people are coming not because of this facility. The facility is kind of like this bonus add-on. But they are coming because they say there's just something that's different about Nanaimo Christian School. And if, if you are an employee of the school, staff, teacher, EA, office staff, if you're here, can you guys just stand up just real quick? The, these people are the difference. Because here, each and every one of them, they love God first. And because they love God... It changes how they do their job. It changes how they love each and every one of the kids that are in this place. And parents know it. Kids feel it. 
and people are craving it. And so we, we give thanks to God for this facility, but we give thanks to God for the amazing staff that he's brought and the work that they're doing in the lives of each one of our kids. I can't remember. I'm going to... Susan Boland, is she still in here? I'm going to apologize to you. Maybe I'll have to buy you lunch or coffee later. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, before any events had happened in this space, it was the, the floor had been finished on a Tuesday. On the Wednesday afternoon, they said, okay, you're allowed to go in there, indoor shoes only. And we gathered a, a small group of people. And before a basketball hit the floor, before a volleyball was set, um, before anything else happened, uh, Susan had come, and she sang, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow, at the center court. And it just echoed in here. And that was the very first thing to happen in this brand new space. And we do give thanks to him for all of this, uh, for all the new families that are coming, for the amazing teachers, uh, and for this beautiful facility. Um, So I don't know if it's appropriate, but I'm going to do it anyway. But Susan, can you come up? Uh, I just like to, again, with you today, give thanks to God for this. I'm going to ask Susan if she wouldn't mind singing um, it through one time. And I just want you to close your eyes and just listen to uh, the words and the way they echo and sound in this place. And then we'll sing it through all together uh, as, a, as a large group. And I'll buy Susan lunch or coffee or whatever she likes next week, too. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the family of God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. So in the same breath that we that we give thanks to God for this place. Um, I just also want to ask you to pray for a family in our community who uh, their son doesn't attend our school, but uh, their other children all do. Uh, He's a student at NDS, but um, he was tragically killed in a car accident yesterday morning. 
Um, so we're just praying with that family and, and grieving alongside with them. Um, and so if you could remember the, the Say Word family in your prayers this week and in the weeks to come as, um, yeah, they just processed all of that. And uh, as a school community and as a church community and, and First Nations community, we rally around them during this incredibly difficult time. So, yeah, just ask that you would remember them in your prayers. Wonderful. Thank you, James. Thank you. So, um, James, if you and Michelle can please, if you don't mind standing here, I'd love to pray with you guys. If you're a teacher or work in the, in, in the school, please stand. I'd love you to just go around and just put your hands on them or just pray for them. If you would like to stand, that would be great. If this is your school and this is where you are. One, two, three. Thank you. Gee. The students are more obedient than the teachers, eh? No <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you have no idea. Please, guys, if you can just come around them. It's not that difficult. And uh, just um, pray for them. And we're just going to pray over them. Um, if some of you would like to come stand here with James and them too while we pray, that'll be great. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, we thank you for these precious people, Lord God, that, Lord, I know they don't do it as a career, they do it as a calling from you, Lord. Lord, I just pray your blessing upon them, Lord. I pray your presence to be upon them, Lord. I pray your peace to be upon them. Lord, I just pray for your anointing to be upon them, continue to grow upon them, Lord God. Lord, it's your anointing that breaks yokes and sets people free. And Lord, we declare freedom in this house, freedom in this school, Lord, freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we do dedicate this to you, Lord, King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is one part of your kingdom, and we want to see your kingdom come here, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for each teacher here and not here, Lord God, that you will bless them and keep them, Lord. May your face shine upon them, and may you fill with them incredible joy, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that your angels will encamp around this facility, Lord. Lord, that no harm will come near this tent in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Say, worthy are you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you. Well, I'm not used to having the, micro, the, the speakers right behind my head. <clears throat> We are getting speakers put up, so don't panic. Well, so good to be here. Um, yeah, last week, Deborah and I were in Toronto, as you know. We had an incredible time, and God is doing some amazing things. And one of the incredible things about being able to travel to these churches is to hear the same heartbeat. How, do you know, how many of you know that God is in control? And when we listen to Him, hear Him, He speaks the same in every, to every uh, tribe and tongue and every nation. It was an incredible uh, time, an amazing resources building, and I'm just going to thank you guys personally for allowing us to, to share this with you, and uh, we look forward to continue partnership with you for the kingdom. It's a resource for the kingdom, this building, an ever-advancing kingdom, a kingdom that includes every Christian community every church and every school that declares the name of Jesus in the city and this nation. See, the church is not the kingdom. The church is the vehicle through which the kingdom comes. And every person or every 
um, believer, every small group or every home group or every Christian school is part of the kingdom. And I believe that God is calling to us, even in this building, I spoke to it a little bit a while ago about us being a church without walls. So I'm a processor, I felt God dropped that in my heart. Uh, you can read in um, Zechariah chapter 3, one of the visions he has is a young man going to measure uh, Jerusalem, and God says his Jerusalem will be a, a, a city without walls, the kingdom, the ever-expanding kingdom of God. And we are part of that now. And so I've been thinking about this a lot. And what are the walls? What are the walls that we need to bring down? And uh, obviously evangelism. And the point of this building is not to fill it so that we can have uh, a, 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 a church full of wonderful people, but so that we can be encouraged and equipped to be our salt and light out there. This is the huddle. This is where we meet to be empowered and encouraged to go and be salt and light. But there are a number of types of walls, and um, I want to start with personal walls, walls in us, uh, our default, I would say. The things we default to when things go wrong or when the enemy begins to roar like a lion and put us back in our box, the things he wants to break. And I've just put a few things here, and there are many more. But personal walls of hurt, many people have been hurt, um, by churches even, by people, by fellow Christians, uh, by parents and so on. And God wants to bring healing to all of those hurts. You know what they are, you know what you've been through, but so does God. He sees everything, and He loves you and He cares for you. Disappointment, walls of disappointment where we step out and it doesn't work out and our default becomes, never, I'll never do that again. Um, those walls, failure, fear, and some others are very powerful ones, guilt, condemnation, and shame. And I can look at every single one of those and, it, and see myself at one stage going through most of those things. We all do. We all have these walls in our lives, and they need to come down because when we step out of our box and when we determine in our hearts as a school, as a community, or as an individual to, to advance a kingdom, the enemy comes against us. And we need to change that default, the default from withdrawing to humbling ourselves, submitting to God, and trusting Him, and carry on going. We cannot afford He's done this um, for many years to allow um, the enemy to rob us of our inheritance. Um, in this city, as I said, I've said many times, is that there's approximately in the greater area, there's 130,000 people, Lanceville through to, through to Cedar area. And uh, in, that, in, in, in uh, this community, they say less than 5,000 people go to church. And um, so if we compare ourselves by ourselves, the word says, we are not wise. In other words, we can say, well, we seem to be doing quite well, and thank God we are, but we don't win unless every church in the city wins. We don't win unless every church grows and prospers. But when we think of, so when we think of the church in the context of 5,000, we might think it's great, but when we think of the church in the city, in the context of 125, 130,000 people that do not go to church, we've got some work to do. 
We've got some work to do. And God has called us in this place. He's planted us to be salt and light. And our biggest mission field, even though we travel a lot and we, we, may, uh, we have a, a global outreach, this church, uh, and um, as you'll see if you're new here, um, you'll be blessed by how many great preachers and leaders we have in this church because I'm here less and less. And uh, the amazing thing is when I go, the church grows even more. So it's a good thing to see. So I was in Toronto last week. I'll be in Los Angeles next week. And um, what I do, what Deborah and I do is encourage and equip and help young churches, church plants, get on their feet. This church was birthed in our home with just my wife and kids. Uh, We knew no other um, Christians in the city. And if it wasn't for team members that I'm now on, this apostolic team coming and encouraging us and helping us and and blessing us in many ways, I don't know whether we would have stayed the course. So we now are in a position where we do that to others. And it's such an amazing thing because I've been involved in churches or with pastors and their wives and they are just finished. They just want to give up. And you go there and you just put an arm around them. You just love them. You just cry with them. You just pray with them. And that buys them another year or two till you can get back there again. Because we need courage, encourage. We need courage in us. We need to be put courage in us. So we're a church committed to that. And I would way rather be here. I love my own bed. I love being here. I I wanted to be here last week. But we're on a mission, an apostolic mission. And that means that we want to advance the kingdom, not only here, but wherever God takes us. And so I want you to uh, just think about what your default is. When you say, I know, I ask somebody to step out and, and it all goes wrong, and, uh, or myself, and condemnation comes, or shame, uh, we, we make mistakes, we, we sin, we all do all of those things. And, um, you know, you might think that pastors um, are very righteous people. Well, that's why we don't invite you into our homes too much. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But we like you. We're a, we're a work in progress. It's a progress of sanctification. It's a process that will last a lifetime. And, um, but we need to understand, and uh, one of the things, we're going to stop here for a while, is you see, is we need to have a, an understanding of the finished work of the cross. If we don't, know what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And I know we're starting some groups called Freedom Sessions, and those will help you in, uh, in the genesis of getting those going, um, and so on. And uh, when I say we, it's Doug and Heather and Paul and Katie, I suppose. But uh, we're all part of it, eh? And um, You see, the things that cause us to step down, the very things Christ died for, these things that cause us to drop out or step down or get discouraged are the very things that Jesus Christ died for and came to set us free from. In John 19.30, we read an account of Jesus' last words in the flesh. And these are them. It's simply this in John Uh, 1930, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. 
And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Church, these were not words of defeat, but words of victory. On the cross, Jesus had paid the price for our sin, past, present, and future. And as a result, initiated a brand new covenant. A covenant of grace. We were no longer under the law. A covenant that gives us access to the very holy of holies, to the very throne room of God. And if you haven't heard the scripture once, you'll, you'll hear it today and many times because it's one of the scriptures that I hold on to. And it's Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore let us approach the throne of grace. And this is a daily thing that we need to do. We approach the throne of grace, and when we come into the throne room through Jesus Christ, we receive mercy. What that means is we get what we don't deserve. And this, if we do it daily, there's many things that would hinder us every day. And when God pours out his grace upon us, not guilty, not guilty, loved, forgiven, accepted, it says we find more grace to help us in our time of need. And I look at it like this. If um, you lived in Los Angeles, right, Jalees right now, or in California, the Golden State, they've just passed a law that you cannot um, run your washing machine and shower on the same day or water your garden on the same day. So it looks like there's there's going to be a lot less showering in California. But this is an issue. If, If we go out of here and we're in the workplace, just in the natural, and we're working on cars or building houses or whatever we do, we're going to get dirty. We come home and we have a shower and we wash ourselves clean uh, once, or, uh, once a day or every second day or whatever. It washes that off. Can you imagine if you never washed for a whole week? Ooh, yes. Is that Reuben? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, that's what we do. We pick up this crud attitudes, all of those things in our lives, and we pick it up every day, and, and because we're not doing that, we're not coming to the throne of grace. You see, our time with God is not because He's bored or lonely. Our time with God is for us, where we come and we can say, man, I messed up today, I'm really sorry, and He says, not guilty, not guilty, forgiven. When we confess our sin, 1 John 1, uh, 9 says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we need to understand that because if we don't understand that, um, we we default. You know, I'm on my way to and say, today, God, I want to really be a witness for you. I really want to share the gospel. And I'm on the way there and somebody cuts me off. And instead of saying amen, um, I say, oh, my (laughs) and the wheels fall off the wheels fall off and I say well I'm just useless I can't do this 
and I don't go and share the love of God with somebody, who's won? Who's winning that battle? We need to understand his schemes. We need to understand that Jesus has already forgiven us. When did he forgive us? He forgave us 2,000 years ago at Calvary. We are forgiven. If we have accepted him into our lives and confessed our sins and declared him Lord and Savior, you see, the curtain at the same time that that happened was torn in two in the temple, the Holy of Holies, that separated us from God. And it was torn not from the bottom up, but from the top down. And it's no longer there, and we have access that they never had. It is finished. We can read this in Romans 8, verse 1 to 6. This is such a, a, an amazing scripture, because condemnation is more than likely the biggest killer of advancing the kingdom. Condemnation. And this is what Paul writes in Romans. He's explained the gospel over and over in the, first, uh, in the previous seven chapters. And he just continues there and he says, So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you're feeling condemned, that's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy. Conviction is different. That's a still small voice that reminds us that maybe we're on the wrong track and we need to get back. But condemnation is not from God. There's no condemnation. Either that's true or it's not. And we need to start understanding these scriptures of the finished work of the cross. Because sin was paid for, there's now no condemnation. And this is, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, this is in the New uh, Living Translation, has freed you, from the, freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the Lord could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving a son, his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law could be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow the sin nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sin nature and think about things uh, 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 sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please God. Those who are controlled and dominated by the sin nature think of sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sin nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your life leads to life and peace. God wants to bring abundant life, a transcendent peace, a peace that is not subject to circumstance, a peace that comes from God, that in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the fires, no matter what's going, we know that we know that God loves us and he's there for us. That's what he promises us. You see, there's no future in our past. Even past hurts in the church. The hurt church will let you down. Leaders will let you down. You will let you down. 
And the enemy is going to use all of those against you unless you keep your eyes focused on Jesus and understand that our past is forgiven. So is everybody else's. But if we allow our past to become bigger than our future, it will definitely hinder our future. When our rearview mirror is bigger than the windscreen, it will hinder us. We need to let go. Jesus said it is finished. And as we have been forgiven, we need to forgive others, but we also need to forgive ourselves. And that's maybe sometimes the hardest thing for people to do, condemnation. We need to forgive ourselves because God has. Jesus paid the price. There's nothing more he can do. And the more we look backwards and wallow in this and the hurts of of church or family or whatever it is, the less effective we are for the kingdom of God. You see, when we forgive ourselves and we forgive others, as Christ has forgiven us, these barriers and walls become bridges. Bridges of reconciliation and freedom, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. And as we do this, that forgiveness, as we appropriate it to ourselves, because often the accuser of the brethren will say, well, look what you did. Look who you were. You have no right to speak into this. You did that yourself. No sin is bigger than God. But when we learn to forgive ourselves and we begin to to, um, forgive each other, forgiveness begins to flow, I believe, like a river. It brings healing and restoration wherever it goes. And we begin to acknowledge that as much as we have been hurt, we too may have hurt others, ourselves. And when we do this and we come set free, we truly become a place where everyone knows that they belong and are valued. There should be no in and outs in the church. Clicks. Those kind of things. I'm not saying we shouldn't have friends. But it's amazing that if we're 100 people here, and Jesus was here in the flesh, and one was standing in the corner. You'd leave the 99 and go and hook up with that person. Very aware of his surroundings. Very aware of the ones that he wanted to draw in. The woman at the well. His reputation smashed as a rabbi, as they called him. Number one, talking to a woman. Number two, a Samaritan. Number two, three, a woman that had been married four or five times. And he sits there in public, and he has this discourse with her. She is saved in the process. She goes back to the city, and the city is saved. Those are the ones that are God are looking for. It's very easy for us to have a little crew. And it's very easy as a pastor to see who's part of the crew and who's not. And I've got to be careful that I don't do that. This is something, it's not a, it's an observation, and we need to say, who can we include? 
Let's not say we've got to exclude people we like. Just include others. Others that may feel that they, they, they're on the outside. We want to be a place of healing and restoration. We want this place on a Sunday after Sunday with coffee and all of that to be a place of community where we can pray with each other, hang with each other, go to lunch with each other. Not so that we can become just inward focused, but if this isn't strong, we're not going to be strong out there. It's an inward, outward focus. And I remember I told you uh, in, when we were in the old facility, I felt God was moving us from a cruise ship mentality to a battleship mentality, to an advancing mentality. Cruise ships are cool, cruise ships are fun, and we need them. We need rest. But when community becomes self-fulfilling, we forget the core because we get all of our fulfillment in community. And God wants to turn that around. And sometimes people here need to rest. But some of us need to step up. And I use the analogy of a guy uh, on a cruise ship, myself, sitting on the top deck, which I've done once or twice, and the captain comes past and I'm drinking a, a glass of water with an umbrella in. Maybe. And uh, he comes and he stands there and he says, um, how are you doing? And you sit in there and it's awesome, man. He says, enjoying it. Great. And he moves on and goes on. Does every ship I've been on, only three, but every, every ship, has, the captain's done that. You get on a battleship and sit on the top deck in a deck chair with a drink like that. And the response might be totally different. You might find yourself swimming home from that place. And there's seasons. There's seasons of, of community building and there's seasons of advancing the kingdom. Where it's always advancing, but where the focus shifts. And we need to deal with the stuff here so that we can go and be who Jesus wants us there. But know that as we begin to stir the waters, stuff starts to float to the top. That's a good thing, because if you stand in a river and you do this and the salt comes up, it gets washed away. It gets washed away, and the waters are cleansed, and the waters are cleansed. And so understanding who we are in Christ, who we are as a community, and looking after the community is as important as looking after others out there. Paul in Galatians 6, 1 to 5 writes this. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch out yourself, or you also may be tempted. Don't think you're above temptation, he's saying. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own love, his own load. We have this crazy thing as people where we judge people by our intentions and we judge them by their actions. So I can leave here today, you know, I really, this week I'm going to be a witness for Jesus and, and yeah, Lord, I'm going to go for you and all of that. And I feel good about myself, even if I do nothing. 
Yeah, that, that was a happy thought. But when others do say something and don't follow through, you see how this works. And we need to look after, we need to, in a sense, look at ourselves and ask God to help us not only have good intentions, but change them into action. In the Last Supper, John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus gives his disciples a new suggestion. Jesus was full of suggestions. If you guys really want to, I suppose this is, he's hanging with them. No, this is what he says in John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Every now and then, just go and meditate on 1 Corinthians 13. It's an amazing passage. A new command I give you, love one another. Not one, not one and not the other. One another. One people. How? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is the amazing thing. You see, the church or Oceanside uh, will, should not be, uh, the, the, the core of Oceanside should not be a beautiful building, amazing worship, great, talented people, those are not the things that Jesus defines as a good church. Those are amazing, and we want them and we need them. But the defining factor of the church that Jesus Christ is not coming through is not a preaching center. It's not a teaching center. It's not a worship center. It's not the one with the best website. It's the one that love each other. By this, all men should know, will know. See, the world is looking for a united church. The world is looking for a people in unity working together. If the world was going to be saved through worship and through good teaching and all of that, it should be saved, North America should be saved a thousand times over. It's love. It's loving the unloved. It's loving the poor. It's loving the quirky. It's loving everybody. It's unconditional love. And we cannot love outside of the love of God, the revelation of God's love for us. We can't give what we don't have. In Romans 5, 6, God pours his love into our hearts by his spirit. So we receive the love when we come to the throne of grace. Because when we come there and say, Dad, I really messed up today and really bad and all of this. Don't worry, son. Mercy, 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 mercy. He has more grace for you. When that revelation of what God does for me flows into my heart, it will give me more grace for others. And that's what God wants. God wants a people. And, a community. and this is an incredible community. But as we grow and as God, God brings more people in and as more cultures come in, which we want, and, and, and people with addictions and issues and all of that, that's the test. When we can't find our comfortable seat, when we have to park all the way down the road, growth is wonderful until it happens. And when we have people that have needs, 
They've got nothing to give, but they have tremendous needs. And God says, will you love them? Will you love the addicts? Will you love the prostitutes? Will you love the hurt, the lonely? Will you love them? Will you care for them? That's what he's looking at. He, heaven, when the, this is an amazing facility, but I think heaven's going to be a bit more awesome than this. Even St. Peter's. Will we love one another? And if we can't love each other here, this is the crazy thing. How the heck are we going to love people out there? You see, tearing down walls don't happen because we thought, think about it. We need to be intentional in breaking clicks or breaking things. It takes an act of our will because we default. We default to stuff. They won't come down on their own, but they do come down when we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ and get his heart because he was a man with no walls. He loved the world. He died for the world, the whomsoevers. You see, if we today, from day on, can look outside of ourselves, outside of our friendship groups, outside of Oceanside Church, if this is where we find all of our fulfillment, I'm not saying don't come to church. But if this is, these places, our friends, our families, our communities are springboards. And you know what gives you courage often? Is when we do things together. When you say, let's do something. Interest groups. Interest groups this summer. There's a volleyball court there that's put in with a beach volleyball court that, that's there. If you want to start a volleyball thing and invite the whole city, do it. Just do it. I think um, some of us don't have the switch this way. We have it this way, and it says, do what? Do whatever you can. <laughs> Bring people into the kingdom. You see, we are called to an inward, outward focus. In Romans 10, we hear the heart of God, and we hear this in Isaiah chapter 6, the same cry. Nothing's changed. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? This is the NLT. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can I hear about him unless someone tells him? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Church, our faith station, our vision statement is simply this. To know Jesus and to make him known. And our mandate is this, to be a gathering, healing, training, sending church. If you go and you, you look in the back, you get our booklets, all of this is in there. A gathering, healing. So what does that mean? 
We want to gather in Christians. We want to gather in the lost. We want to gather in everyone we can. Remembering this, that Jesus never once told sinners to go to church, but he always told the church to go to sinners. Pray for harvesters. Gather them in. Healing. We want to see people spiritually healed, saved, born again, born of the Spirit. We want to see them emotionally healed. We need people that can help us in that area. We want to see them physically healed. Not only their bodies, but their needs. They help them in the, um, get free from whatever they're dealing through. Not with thousands of hours of counseling, and counseling is important, but we want to be, see people set free by the power of the Spirit. That they are instantly, I have friends that have been instantly set free from addictions. Radical ones. One night, one gave a heart to Jesus, never ever had an issue again. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we began to have faith for that again? And if people aren't set free, we walk with them. We go, go through it with them. A gathering healing, a training center. We're in a school that helps, where people are equipped, equipped to take what they have and take it to their neighbors and the nations. Gathering healing training center uh, uh, people. That's who we are. And I would like to pray for you now, if you don't mind, because and if the worship team can come forward, um, I, James took all of my time. I'm joking. <laughs> I always need more time. Because if you could still your hearts for a moment, maybe just bow your heads. I'm believing. We're going to sing some songs I've asked Camilla to specifically do, and they two of the ones that we did before. Those things that are holding you back. You see, the Holy Spirit can do in one second that we can try to do as a pastoral counselor take over a year. What are those things? What are those hurts? What are those disappointments? What are those things of condemnation. What are those things right now? You see, God is there. He's stirring. Camilla said, it's true. It's an audience of one. And I want you to see you in, in your mind's eye writing a note with all of those things. And if there's too many, just some highlights. Write them down. I want you to see your loving Father who sent his son to set you free. The smile on his face, and I want you to place those things on his lap. See yourself doing that. Those things that the enemy has used sometimes for your whole life to contain you. If you could see yourself giving them to the Lord, We know one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. But another translation of Jehovah Jireh is God will see to it. And whatever it is, I feel 
God's saying, don't worry, my son. Don't worry, my daughter. It's finished. And I will see to it. I have you in my hand. My son purchased you with his very blood. You are free. Take those shackles off your feet. Take those shackles of shame, of condemnation, of hurt. Of hurt from the church. Wherever that comes from. I want you to see Jesus seated on the throne next to God the Father. Saying this. I will and have never hurt you. And I will never leave you. And I will never ever forsake you. You are mine. Isaiah 43, fear not, for I am with you. I've called you by name. I've summoned you by name. And when you walk through the fires, the fires of life, the trials of life, I promise that I am with you. I don't put the fires out all the time, but I walk you through them. The floods that come, when the enemy comes like a flood, I raise up a standard against him. He will not overtake you. You are mine. Be set free. Be set free today, church. Remind yourself of this moment where you gave your stuff to God once and for all. And I declare freedom over you. Freedom over me. I have as many issues as you. Believe you me. And I give them to God too. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. Break those chains. Bring healing. Bring peace. Do not anxious, be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 2, I think. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your requests to God right now. Give them to God. Open your hand. The child you're longing for come into the kingdom. That financial breakthrough, that job that visa, whatever it is. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, come to the throne of grace with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. And when you do that, I will release my transcendent peace. The peace of God that transcends natural understanding. That is not subject to circumstance. It's the peace of God. It's Jesus sleeping in the boat through the storms. He is with you. 